This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let them be demonstrative. It's what makes it fun. It's a part of the journey. They worked their tails off to get here, and if they want to express themselves in ways that aren't all that offensive and, and crossing the line, let them do it. Don't be corny and, 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 and criticize you know, athletes for, you know, pumping their chest out and, and, and expressing themselves. Come on. Let's let's enjoy it. It's fun. It's sports. It's not church. Let's not Tweet do that. that. Yankees that. with the victory tonight. Before we get back to your phone calls at 800-919-3776, I see uh, a couple of people want to talk about what happened yesterday in the women's basketball. Yankees victorious tonight at home against the Phillies. 8-1 and one was the final score. Home run from Rizzo and Torres. We'll hear from Aaron Boone in a moment. Yankees continue to score runs. We know they're going to do that. The pitching rotation, that's going to be a question mark because no, Mont- no Montas, no Sevi, no uh, Radon. So they're going to have guys need to step up. We saw Johnny Brito do that in his rookie debut yesterday. Nestor Cortez continuing where he picked, where he left off last year. Five innings pitched, one earned run, three strikeouts. So the Yankees 3-1 to start the season. Meanwhile, the Phillies 0-4. So that championship defense not going so well. But I guess if if you're the Phillies, you got to write where you want them. Be terrible in the first half of the season, light them up in the second half, and march your way to the World Series. Uh, meanwhile, the Mets blanked today in Milwaukee to nothing. Uh, that was embarrassing. But after taking three or four in Miami, lose today. No big deal. But that that that's just one of the concerns you are going to have about the Mets. Do they have enough potency in that lineup uh, to, to, to really become that contender, that true championship contender that we hope they can be? Meanwhile, the Knicks at the Garner last night clinched a playoff spot. They will be no worse than six in the Eastern Conference with another win. They'll clinch that five spot in the East, which means a date with the Cavs in the first round, a date with Donovan Mitchell, a date with the team they they have taken three or four from in the regular season, including last Friday where they went there and scored a buck 30 on the league's number one defense. So I'm looking forward to that series, looking forward to what the Nets are doing. Kel Bridges... I mean, he's quietly becoming a star. He was in Phoenix behind Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. Didn't really get a chance to shine. He was more of a, a hit threes and play defense guy. Since he's come to Brooklyn, he, he's been a weapon. He's been their best player, and he's scoring points in bunches. So right now, as it stands, the Nets will get the Sixers in the first round. Knicks will get the Cavs. So I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs. We'll get into that conversation as the hour moves on. 800-919-3776. We go to Staten Island to chat with Jimmy, who's been waiting patiently. What's up, Jimmy? Yo, yo, Tom Boogie. What's going on, brother? So it's a pleasure talking to you. Real quick, I hate that this got to even be mentioned, like the race card, and I hate that the media is even doing this. You know, on a time when we should be celebrating as college women's college basketball, but I, I definitely want to talk about this injury situation. I mean, as far as you know, um, everything you said, I agree, but I do disagree with you on one thing, What's that? and I disagree with you on the fact. I disagree with you on the fact that uh, I feel like Andrew chose during the time when the lights was on her, you know, to lift her platform. We're talking about this. You understand? This was probably that was probably the highest watched um, women's basketball game ever. You understand? So 
she could have saved that for Twitter. But instead, we're going to talk, you know, in, in, in whatever she did, what she did, you understand? We're all athletes. Pretty sure you trash talked, I trash talked. Mm-hmm. We've all done it before, you understand? But at the highest point of, this is what I'm saying, at the highest point of women's college basketball, we're talking about this, you understand? Instead of celebrating these young ladies. And I think that Angel Reese, she has the, she has the, she has the world in her hands right now. Why not use your platform to uplift? You understand these young ladies. You know why not? You could shoot. You, she had a, a whole. She had, she could have took this on Twitter tomorrow, today, whatever she wanted to do. But she chose to act how she acted on, uh, you know, while the lights was on her. And I just felt like she went. A, she was a little bit wrong with that. Wait, Jimmy, oh, hang I mean, on, I, hang on. I'll let you continue. But you here's just here's the thing. The fact that we're we're having this conversation is, and this has dominated the headlines. It's not an indictment of her. It's an indictment of us. You mean to? So you you've played you've played sports before, right? Yes. Now now obviously yeah. you know none of us are on that level. We're winning a national championship, but you mean to tell me after? And by the way, let's not paint Caitlin Clark as she's some you know innocent saint when it comes to trash talking. She did her 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 bit of trash talking. She was someone who instigated this. You mean to tell me that in that moment you won a championship and and you've slayed the dragon, so to speak? You're thinking about using your platform to uplift. That's what that's what you're thinking about in that moment. But Ty, she mentioned she said it. She said it. She said it herself in a statement. She said that she was. She used that because she was tired of being. She was tired of young black women, uh, like people p- portraying them as hood boogers and all that stuff. You understand? Like, you know, I don't mean, you know, stuff like, you know, what she said. This is her. No, so was, I, I get it, but but she but she's being. I, we'll play that audio for you. But she's being unapologetic about who she is, and she and she's tired of you know the stigmatisms and the stereotypes. Like, why can't I be who I am? Why? Like, if and not to this is uh, forgive me for this comparison, but like let's just say this was Draymond Green doing this, or or you know Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. Are we having the same conversation? So some of it has to do with with sex. Some of it has to do with race, and I think it's more of an indictment of us and and, and our ability to to commentate on on these types of things than it is about her. No, you're right. I'm not disagreeing. With you. I just feel like during that time she should use her. She should have used when the lights was on her. First thing first, she didn't even shake her hands. I don't know if you peeped that. She didn't even shake their hands. You understand? But during, we we should be support. She has a young. She has the platform of all these young ladies. All these young ladies are looking at her. You understand? You got kids looking at her, watching her. You understand? Watching everything she does. So why not use your platforms for positivity? You can say the trash talking for after. You understand? But not not how she acted was a little too much. You understand? That's all I'm saying. Listen, I appreciate the call, Jamie. Appreciate you hanging in. I, I respectfully disagree. You call up anytime. There's nothing wrong with healthy dialogue going back and forth about things like this. I, I respectfully disagree. I, I, I think you win a championship. There are some who can act in a manner of, yeah, let's do the uplifting. You won a championship against someone who is who is known as a trash talker who was taunting her opponents. You want to rub it in her face. I, I've got no problem with that. As long as you're not crossing the line, you're not engaging in any, you know, anything that's disrespectful or an altercation. You're not inflicting any physical harm on anyone. All, all is fair in competition. All is fair in the throws of competition. Speaking of which, uh, looking at the national championship game, San Diego State has pulled to within six 
with seven and a half minutes left in the second half. So this one's getting a little bit more interesting. Uh, I, I, I teased the audio before we get back to the phone calls. I teased the audio. Here was Andrew Reese talking about her, herself being, uh, you know, unapologetic. All year, I was critiqued about who I was. The narrative, I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when... Other people do it. Y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me. That's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. And that's what I did it for tonight. This was for the more than, it was, it was bigger than me tonight. It was bigger than me. Twitter is going to go in a rage every time. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I feel like I've grown, helped grow women's basketball this year. I'm super happy and excited. So I'm looking forward to celebrating in the next season. She absolutely helped women, women's basketball this year. She absolutely has every right to celebrate in the manner that she wants. And if you want to box her in, that's your problem. That's your flaw. That's something you have to deal with within yourself. And if you want to pretend that this has nothing to do with race, then again, that that's your the mistake that you're making. Because it was okay for Caitlin Clark to do it, and once Andrew Reese did it, it was classless. It was shameful. It was a black mark on the sport of women's basketball. It absolutely made no sense. We go to Westchester. What's up, Steve? Ty, I am so proud of you. Your rant on this is, like, pitch perfect. Absolutely perfect. Appreciate you, Andrew Reese did nothing wrong. Caitlin Clark was taunting and, uh, you know, trash-talking. Through the whole tournament. The whole tournament. Nobody said a word. And then now Angel Reese uh, should be proud, and I am proud of you, for uh, you know, shedding light on it and the real truth. It wasn't only uh, racist. It was also sexist. Yes, it was. Michael Jordan, trash talk. No uh, problem with Clyde Drexler and, uh, you know, uh, all his opponents. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's great. You know, men are supposed to, or women are supposed to be more demure. Hey, she's a classy athlete, and uh, credit to you, man, for bringing it up. Thank you, man. I appreciate the love, and I appreciate the call, and you hit it right on the nail. It's You want people, and not you, but the, the general public, those who are involved in being critical of Andrew uh, Angel Reese, want their athletes to act a certain way. And it has everything to do with race and sex. You, 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 you look at them and you want them to act a certain way. And when they deviate from that, then you hurl all the insults of classless and unprofessional. And instead of allowing them to be who they are, and like she said, I, I, she's showing her personality. This is who I am. Take it or leave. She's, she's, she's meant a lot for women's basketball. And if that's something that you're opposed to, <laughs> don't watch. Don't don't the the, the fact that you got to go on Twitter and, and most of the people being critical and 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 you know saying the the, the nonsense and disrespect didn't watch any games all year. They're they're just here for the smoke of criticizing athletes. You're exposing yourselves as frauds. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to the phone calls, get to baseball. I keep teasing. We'll hear from Aaron Boone. That will absolutely happen, and then we'll talk about the NBA playoffs as well. A little Aaron Rodgers as we get closer to midnight, where I take you right here on 98.7 ESPN. Getting a little close. San Diego State at the line with a chance to make it a five-point game, and they do. It is a 60-55 to lead for UConn with just over five minutes left in the national championship game. This one's gotten a lot closer than I expected. San Diego State 
doing what San Diego State does. They erased a 14-point second-half uh, deficit in their previous game and, you know, pre- ended up winning, and now they are within five as UConn hits the three, so it's an eight-point game. We'll keep you posted on that. Let's get back to the phone calls. 800-919-3776. Craig's in New Jersey. What's up, Craig? Hey, how you doing? Doing well, uh, man. What's two, up? Two, two things is, uh, well, one is that, pre- that guy a couple of calls ago, I don't think he was saying that, not let them be themselves. I, I think the girls should be, they at their pinnacle point here, should be better than the guys if they want to be. She should have said what she said, but maybe in a different way, but that's not why I'm calling. How come Jill Biden wants to invite Caitlin to the White House now? Yeah, it is a That was a man's team that lost. The 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 the, uh, the second place guy doesn't get invited. Well, yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah, I appreciate the call. I, I said that. I said that in the beginning of the show. I said that last segment. I I don't understand inviting Iowa to the to the White House as as the team that lost. This should be LSU's time to to celebrate. This this is something that they earned. They won the championship. They shouldn't have to share the spotlight with a team that they just blew out in the national championship game. That makes absolute, absolutely no sense to me. Let's go uh to Middletown to talk to Bob. What's up, Bob? Hi, how's it going? Uh, uh great show and I think your take is spot on with what's been going on here with Iowa and LSU. And people kind of forget that that whole hand gesture that Angel Reese was doing was from Caitlin. Mm-hmm. It was Caitlin who was also whining about the calls throughout the game. It was Caitlin who was taunting players throughout the tournament. And Angel also, when she said she did this gesture, it was to defend one of her uh, teammates because Caitlin was up there mocking the teammate. We don't talk about that and how she has to act in some sort of classy manner and whatnot. It's like Clyde Caitlin gets completely absolved. And to expect Angel in the heat of the moment, the tournament, trying to defend her teammates, all of a sudden, you know, people saying, oh, she should rise above it all. She should act classy, you know, classy in victory, classy in defense. I'm from New York, my friend. <laughs> we have something going on tomorrow that maybe if some people had been a little classy and being classy and lost, we wouldn't be where we are. So I'm not going to expect, you know, Angel to all of a sudden uplift the country, you know, and all these people who are going like, oh, you should just do this. No, that's garbage. You know, the kid did what she did, and she was, like I said, not defending herself or trying. She was defending a teammate. Why don't we go back and ask Caitlin, what were you doing to the teammate? You know, since you're so classy. Yeah, I appreciate the call. I appreciate the call, Bob. And listen, I, I I actually regret that this has turned into a conversation where we're you know we're we're pitting Andrew Reese against Caitlin Clark. Clayton Clayton Clark didn't actually she wasn't even offended by it, and I don't think that she's some type of villain for for doing what she did. Again, we should embrace trash talk. We should embrace taunting. It's it's all part of the fun of sports. It's entertaining. These these people are 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 battling for a championship. This is the the pinnacle of what the sport is about. Everyone's trying to get there. They find their way. You know, they they found their their way to the top of the mountain, and I think they should be able to celebrate the way that they want to, as long as it's not offending anybody. Let's go to, to Queens to talk to Mike. What's up, Mike? 
Good evening, Ty. How are you? I'm doing well, man. What's up with you? As always, great to talk to you. You need more airtime. Thank you, bro. I want to comment on the NCAA. I want to get to the Mets. Uh, what Iowa, the girl did her first. She lost. The other girl did it back. It is what it is. I don't, it doesn't really bother me. I get why the uh, LSU girl did it. But the Mets, we all know last year the offense struggled when Marte got yep. uh, left. They need more offense. They try to get clear. We all know about the X-ray. The X-rays, you know, we all know. They had to do more. I give them credit. They lose three-fifths of their starting rotation. They restocked that. But come playoff time, plus you got two old guys. One is injured right now. Now he was Diaz. The bullpen, I know they got some more arms there. But the issue last year was the offense. We saw it down the stretch in Atlanta against the Padres. And they did not. They tried, but they failed. So that's why this team playoffs, yes, but unless they get a power bat coming to the deadline, that's going to cost you what? Batty? Vietos? It's going to cost you something. Yeah, it's going to cost you some prospects. It's going to cost you some prospects. I don't know how this team long run, championship contender, no. Playoffs, yes, but if they they make the NLCS, I'll be shocked. Listen, I— Right now, the way it is. Listen, I I appreciate the call, Mike. If we are not— saying that a team with a $327 million payroll should at the very least get to the World Series, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. I understand the injury to Edwin Diaz is significant. He was the best closer in baseball last year and arguably your best player. I understand it's not ideal to have that the prized acquisition that is Justin Verlander start the season on the I.L., I get that your offense leaves a lot to be desired, and we saw it in the second half or, the, you know, that tail end of the second half last year when Starling Marte got hurt and the Mets were in the midst of blowing a 10-and-a-half-game division lead. Then you get to the playoffs against the Padres and couldn't hit, and your pitching fell apart late. I understand all of those things. But this, all, all I kept hearing from, from Met fans and the enthusiasts uh, when Steve Cohen bought this team was, he's the new George Steinbrenner. You know, welcome to hell, Yankee fans. Your team doesn't want to spend and, and do everything in their power to win a championship. We have an owner that's going to do that. They hired Buck Showalter, one of the most respected managers all, in all of baseball. I get that there are, are, are concerns with this team. But what is this, year three now of that five-year window for Steve Cohen? The idea that the Mets aren't like World Series or bust it is baffling to me. And I see Vegas has the Dodgers and the Braves in the NL with, with better odds to, to get to the World Series. I get it. But this Met team that won 100 games last year, this Met team that is going to have Scherzer and Verlander, this Met team that is spending a, a ton of money, still has a, a ton of talent on the roster with Lindor and Pete Alonso and Marte and Canna. Like, this team should be expected to contend for a championship. I don't want to hear that you'd be shocked to see them get to the NLCS. That's not good enough. You've got one playoff win since you won the world, since you were, appeared in the World Series in 2015. So in the last eight years, you have one playoff win. You've got a, a payroll of $327 million. We kept hearing about the, the big bad Steve Cohen. You've got to get to the World Series. You've got to get to the World Series. We can't treat this, you know, with, 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 you know, take the training wheels off. Treating this with kid gloves. Every year, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Well, wait till next year. 
Wait till next year. That's going to spend and spend and spend. We're already hearing about Shohei Otani. Guys, you've got a, a payroll that's, what, $60 million more than the, the second-place team with, with the Yankees? And I know money doesn't always translate into winning championships, but it at, at the very least has to put you on a stepping stone of the expectation having to be elevated. You're not some small market team. You're spending a lot of money. It better not be, it better not be a shock that you get to the championship series. That should be the expectation. Oh, man. The, 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 uh, as we progress through this baseball season, and look, don't go crazy because the Mets lost today 10 nothing. Now, Carrasco didn't have it. The Mets are going to be fine. But I, I don't want to hear anything about there not being uh, high expectations for this team. That, that to me, is just garbage. By the way, this game got close. Heard Joe Leo saying, oh, yeah, I was on. Yeah, I was telling everybody this was going to be a competitive game. You know, UConn's been blowing everybody out, but I was telling people it's going to be a competitive game. It was competitive for about three minutes. 155 left in the game. UConn's up 12, so they're going to win a national championship. We saw Mecca Okafor's in the building, Karan Butler, Kemba Walker's there, Ray Allen's there. So they've got a. How are you feeling about this uh, competitive game there, Joe Leo? There's still time left. It's yeah. 155, 12. Uh-huh. It's a 12 point lead with a three point line. Well, if this was 1988, the game would be over. Yeah, the, no. sh- the problem is that the shot clock is <laughs> it's eternity in college basketball. You got a shot clock that, that that's like five minutes in college basketball. San Diego State's the best team defensively in the country right yeah. now. How, how's that working out for them right now? I mean, Sonogo, Walker, like, you know, it. I'm just saying, there's he's still stumbling. time. He's stumbling. That means he, he knows that it, it's over. I, it's fine. Congrats to UConn. They're about to win their fifth national championship. We go to Jersey to talk to Kyle. What's up, Kyle? Hey, what's going on, Ty? Nothing much, man. Talk to me. Yeah, I got a little, I don't know if it's hot take, but when it comes to, and I know that you're probably getting tired of Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. The only thing I'll say is that before the national championship, Angel Reese was questioned about Caitlin Clark and the hand in the face. And do you remember what she said about what she thought about what Caitlin Clark did? Did she say she thought it was disrespectful? Disrespectful. Yeah. So my whole thing is, is that disrespect and competitive nature are two different things. You know, no one looked at Michael Jordan and what he said to people on the court about being disrespectful he was a competitive person mm-hmm. my whole thing is is that i think that the whole narrative changed and i think it became a big issue where she said it was disrespectful and then everyone and i think it helped this woman college basketball national championship but i think everyone looked at it and said oh she's out to get one and then she did what caitlin clark did which she deemed to be disrespectful so i think that a nation as a whole and a lot of people that, whatever it was, I saw it as competitive nature. They now went disrespectful, but then you did the same thing that you deemed disrespectful. Yeah, but the now, only— Now, okay. one thing or another is you could just go, oh, I'll show her. You could say that in an interview. Oh, no, all right, yeah, well, she's got to answer to this. I'll make sure of that. My whole thing is, is that that's why this, got, this narrative got blown out of proportion where it almost became that. I don't think anything – I think Kaylin Clark held herself well after 
the press conference, the way she talked about LSU, the way things went. I don't think that she was. And I, I, I agree with you where you say, I don't even think, I think that this was a bad light for no reason on Reese and on Caitlin Clark. Man. But I do believe that that's what sparked But, the but here's thing. the thing, Kyle, and I appreciate the call. Like, this happened before people even knew what Angel Reese had said about it being disrespectful. So so that, that's a fair point. But a lot, a lot of those who were on Twitter criticizing and she's classless and unprofessional, they, they said that way before they heard her comments about what Caitlin Clark had done. They were just reacting to what they had seen and exposing themselves as frauds. I don't think it, it's hard for me to really believe that there is a large, you know, population of, of of people who really took exception to this. We just live in a, in a world now where everyone just wants to be offended by everything. We've become really sensitive, and again, I want to reiterate: race does have to play a a a, a major factor into this. If Angel Reese was not a black woman doing this, we would not be having this discussion. 800-919-3776. Back with your phone calls. We'll talk a little NBA, a little NFL as we head toward midnight. Wrapping the show with you right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 16 right now on San Diego State. What a run for UConn. What an absolute gem by Dan Hurley and his coaching staff. They won every game against non-conference foes this season by double digits, by an average of 24-plus games. I mean, uh, before the tournament, I don't know, too many people were picking UConn to win, and all of a sudden, the the upset started to happen. Things broke their way, and they took advantage of it. So congrats to UConn Huskies on winning the national championship. They want to touch on, on a little football before we hear from Aaron Boone. Mike Florio today, as Aaron watch uh, Aaron Rodgers watch continues, uh, he he said this: the ultimate deadline. If the Packers are intent on getting one or more 2023 draft picks from the Jets, will be the moment the desired pick is on the clock. So if the thought process is they're getting the first round pick, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, but or we're going to swap 13 and 15, that would happen on April 27th. Furthermore. We hear there's talk about the second-round picks. You know, the Jets got that second-round pick in the trade for Elijah Moore. So they now have 42 and 43. That would obviously happen on the Friday, April 28th. So at some point, uh, the Packers are going to have to bend a little bit on what it is that they're asking for. I I think both teams have leverage. The Jets have more. The Packers technically have it because the Jets don't have a quarterback. But we do know that they traded up to draft Jordan Love, and now they have one season to make a decision on his fifth-year option. He's got one career start, and that was two not this past season, but the year before when Rodgers missed a start because he had COVID against the Chiefs, and Jordan Love came in. Jordan Love, we saw him in some mop-up duty this year, but you do have to get a full season's worth of uh, of a sample size to see whether or not he's he's worth giving that fifth year option to, and they want to do it. They have every intent on doing it. They're ready to move on from Rodgers. This is a guy in Jordan Love. You traded up in the first round to draft, so they don't want to bring him back. Aaron Rodgers. They, we know Jordan Love is in theory their future. So this idea that 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 they they have all the leverage, I think, is false. The only problem for the Packers is that there are dueling forces acting on each other. 
they 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 would be best served to get this done ahead of the draft because you would love to use picks to help build a roster around Jordan Love so you can give him all the appropriate weapons and ammunition to become the best version of himself. But the only problem is if you wait till after June 1st, which is after the draft, that Rogers cap hit goes from $40 million to $15 million, which sets you better up for the future, you know, building the team. So there, there are like two things acting on each other that are working against the Packers. So we'll see what happens. Side note, uh, we do hear that Odell Beckham Jr. had like a little bit of an informal meeting at the owner's meetings with, uh, with with the Jets, and he's looking for, what they say, $15 million a year. I don't know if he's going to get that, but I'd take Odell on the Jets. I don't subscribe to this notion that he's some locker room cancer. Is he a diva? Can he be a diva? Sure. Say that about a lot of star receivers. But is he a winner? Yes, he is. We saw him in the Super Bowl before he tore his ACL. 800-919-3776. Before we get back to the phone po- phone calls, the Yankees won again tonight. 8-1, to one, two home runs. Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres. Offense is clicking. Rotation's doing well. Clay Holmes came in in a non-save situation and shut it down. Let's hear from the manager, uh, Aaron Boone, on... How important Nestor Cortez is to this team? Such an important part of our team, not only with what he does on the mound, but in the locker room as well. And he's a great story for a lot of people out there. What'd you make of his outing? I thought he threw the ball really well. I thought his stuff was good. You know, they they made him work. I mean, they just kept fouling pitches off on him. So... You know, so his pitch count kind of got up there pretty high, especially, you know, the first couple innings just because they were spoiling or, or extending at bats uh, so much. I thought stuff-wise he, he was good, and that was just that was one of those real big plays in the course of a game where who knows where that inning goes, but uh, really heads-up play. Now, Gleyber Torres in recent years is, I don't want to say much maligned, but there's been some criticism of, uh, of him. You know, talk about him not showing up to camp in shape a couple of years ago. We saw his regression, not just at the plate, but at shortstop. And he was just a liability defensively. So last year, they moved him back to second base. You bring IKF in, and the thought process there is now he can focus more on, you know, him being more sound at the plate and is not taking his struggles to the field defensively. And look, he he had, he had a, what a four WAR last year, so analytically he did pretty well. But when you compare him to what we thought we were getting, you know, from that 2018 version of Glaber Torres, who hit what 36 home runs, pales in comparison. So far this year, has played pretty well, has two home runs. Aaron Boone was asked his thoughts on Glaber Torres's start to the season, albeit only four games. I think his approach has been excellent. I think his bat quality has been excellent punctuated by tonight where you know he's on every time and and going the other way you know he's got that kind of power to drive the ball the other way and he's that kind of hitter so it's good to see him doing that Anthony Rizzo I mentioned he has hit the big home run tonight so Stanton hit a couple of this weekend so Judge hit a couple this weekend Gleyber Torres has two on the season Anthony Rizzo joined the home run party with one tonight and he was asked why have they been so successful to start the season now at three and one early in the year it's it's kind of easy to be anxious to you know get hits and this and that but when you're taking your walks and getting on base and passing it on it definitely helps Yankees 3-1 to start the season a lot of lot of question marks because of the injuries a lot of question marks because of the injuries it's only four games in but this this could have gone left early Garrett Cole was outstanding on opening day and this is a big season for him 
Because last year, you pitched well, but led the league in home runs given up. Then he got to the playoffs, and, and he, he was a workhorse. He, he silenced all the noise in the playoffs because we were ready to crush him after what happened against the Red Sox. Then he you know didn't pitch the way that we, we thought he could. He, we, we didn't, he didn't pitch the way that we thought he could against the Red Sox, so we were ready to crush him. But last year in the postseason, he showed just how, how good of a pitcher it is. But Joe Leo asked me, Earlier in the show, is Julius Randle like the most polarizing player in this New York market? I say, wait until Garrett Cole experiences some struggles in the summer. We saw last year, Yankee fans were letting him have it, and I think rightfully so. Like he's a great, he's a great pitcher, but when you get that contract, what was it nine years, three twenty? A lot of expectations come with that. We're not bringing you here to win Cy Youngs. We're bringing you here to win a championship. So when you give it up home run after home run and we're envisioning this team trying to win a title, that's not working in concert. That's not the, that's not the recipe for success. So Garrett Cole became a little bit polarizing last year. So much so folks were asking, uh, Nestor Cortez, is he our game one starter? Is that the guy starting game one? But it, it it was crazy. It was always crazy. But you know when you when you're getting 162 games, you got to break down. You got to spice it up a little bit. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's squeeze in Richard in Manhattan before we take a break. What's up, Richard? Ty, I'm surprised uh, Aaron Boone didn't make note of the play that Cortez made. I don't know, the right fielder, way over through the ball, way over the catcher's he head. He to back him up, yep. He caught the ball on the fly, and in the same motion as he caught the ball, like a middle infielder, snapped the throw to third and caught the guy round. I thought that play wasn't as almost as good as the Jeter play in the playoffs against the Oakland A's when he backhanded that throw. I thought that was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. And it was so nobody said much about it. I mean, I never seen that. I'm going to call Michael K tomorrow. It's a great no. It's a great play. And if you in that Have inning, you ever seen Philly, it? it was a great play. A great play by Nestor Have you Cortez. Ever seen it? No, it was unique. I don't know if I've ever quite. I, I wouldn't go as far as say it's one of the I, great. Hang on, I don't. I don't know if I would go as fight quite as far as to say it's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen, or compare it to what Jeter did in the playoffs. But it was a great play. It was it was it was a great play, and the Phillies were uh, making a run in that inning, inch, inching closer to the Yankees. So it was you know well timed and, and good for na- for Nasty Nestor. If I was talking to Boone, I would have said, Aaron, first of all, if you've never seen that play, can you ask your father, who was a major league catcher, as you know, for 15 years in the major leagues, can you ask him, has he ever seen a play like that, overthrown the catcher, the pitcher backing up on the fly catches, snaps the throw, and nails the guy at the... I've never, I thought that was one of the greatest plays I've ever... Really? And he didn't even say a thing about it. I don't know. Low-key about it, but I don't know. I, I thought it was unbelievable. I thought that was so great. But anyway, and the national championship game, a little bit of a letdown. Uh, San Diego State just didn't have the offensive top. UConn is a great defensive team. Great defense. I thought that San Diego State was a great defensive team. UConn, 
and the, they had a lot of fouls called on them, which I didn't even agree with. They would just, the two big men would just stand there. San Diego State would plow into them, and they had to call the fouls on the UConn, UConn guys. But it was a good game, not as good as it should have been. But uh, you, you got to uh, tip your hats off to UConn. Yeah, congratulations. They, they fair congratulations to I always UConn. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. UConn, seven-point favorites. They, they've been blowing everybody out. I told you at the start of the show, this wasn't going to be all that close. Now, it got competitive late. They, the San Diego State Aztecs pulled to within five. But, you know, UConn flexed his muscles and, and they win the championship. I do want to mention this, too, before we hit a break. Aaron Hicks, I mean, I don't want to hear you complaining about not getting playing time. Aaron Hicks, so shocked. I, I, I'm surprised that I'm not an everyday player. Really? Really? For as bad as you've been, Aaron Hicks. I don't want to hear how surprised you are. And I, I guess part of me loves that you're the competitor the competitor who, who wants to be out there. But my, my G... If you would have told me in spring training that I wouldn't have started the first three games, I wouldn't have believed you. But it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. Just sit around and wait for my opportunity and try my best. Hicks, last season you hit 216 with eight home runs. And it played 130 games, which which was the best part because it's the first time you played more than 100 games in the season since 2018 because you've always hurt. You hit 216 last year. So far this year, 0, 0 for 4. We want to hear about how frustrated you are. We'll wrap up the show next right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.